Did you pick those specifically because of their Cadbury? Not particularly, <laughs> but okay. should have just had a bunch of like culturally insulting. You know, I things. haven't seen them for years, and I used to love them when I was a kid. They're, they're only good if you dip them in Branston pickle. Yes. So don't worry in about what? <laughs> um, that was a joke, but Branston pickle is something I've actually, I want to I get, get Sam to, to go grab it for me. Branston pickle is fantastic. It's a sandwich topping or it's, uh, okay. it, it goes with cheese dishes. It's a, it's a very rich kind of um, You could have told sauce. me that it was a premium scotch and I would have believed you because yeah. I have no idea. Branston pickle, just Google it. It's probably easier Branston because it's, just, it's a staple of, of like British lunch time. Go, <laughs> if you've heard of the plowman's lunch. Nope. <laughs> a plowman's lunch. Plowman's lunch. Yeah, you go into go into any, any any pub in Britain and ask for a plowman's lunch. You'll you'll get a you'll get um, bread, cheese, um, a few other things, just like some standards. Okay. And it's it's very basic, easy easy food. What does the meat come from in this? Is it cow oh, there's or? there's no no meat in. Well, the um, I guess you, it's if they're gonna give you meat with it, it'll be ham or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Branson pickles. I always used to have on my sandwiches. Hmm. Cheese, cheese and Branson. Cheese and Branson. Mm. Yum. Okay. Merry Christmas, Andrew. That's oh, a gift that's not a that's not a Christmas gift for tonight. So I thought I'd wrap it just for you. Well, thank you. This um, is a podcast kind own? of gift. No. Okay, is this for now or later? You can open it now. It's not a good gift. Okay. It's not a bad gift, but it's not, it's not a, a good gift. gift. Not a good I think gift. this is more entertaining if we see it then. I, I think I have to now. It's pretty boring, actually. I, I do boring. I, I don't mind boring at all. I think as an adult, I've transitioned more to enjoying functional gifts that are This very, is very, very functional. Is it, okay. No, is I it like a shirt? Idea. Wrapped it? up like that? I don't no. know. Get creative. Okay. In a box like that, I might put like a bottle of it's heavy. something. What do you What do you think it is? Eric, pick up the box. What okay, do you think I, it is? My, my guess would be something to do with a tripod mount. That's a e oddly specific. It is. Thought. I don't know why. Okay, I, I guess, well, if you were thinking tripod well, mount, you're going to be disappointed. Gonna, bottle it's too heavy for a microphone. Bottle of whiskey. Could be a bottle of whiskey, but ah, it's not. It, it, Nothing it's exciting. <laughs> Lovely. Popular. It looks like business cards. They are really, really what nice business cards. They're very nice business they cards. It. They feel great yeah, oh, in the Oh, wow, hand. yes. Very smooth. Nice. Love it. And you're supposed to, you have to give out all of them in the next 90 days. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's a thousand there. I counted them myself. Yeah, no, that'll take me a year to get through. If I, if I, yeah, because I, I would love it if I handed these out <laughs> at every shoot. Well, I suppose, um, first off, welcome thank you. Yeah. back. You're welcome. This is Andrew, everybody. Say hi, hi to Andrew, or say hi to the people. Hi, the people. That works. We the people. We have people would be about how I would describe the people that listen to us. There's no, I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Andrew, I have known for quite a while. He used to be the baby photographer extraordinaire when I was doing baby photos, everybody talked about Andrew. It was always Andrew's this, Andrew's that, he's the best, he's great. And then I met him, and they were right. <laughs> I was waiting for the bullet drop there. Like, oh. <laughs> um, well, thank you. He has an accent and some interesting stories, so. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna stop you there. What? We're all speaking English. Yeah, you, you, you're true. the ones with the accents. <laughs> 
All right. I'll take that. So, That's fair. There's, there's nothing wrong with it, you know. I can understand you, so you're fine. So I guess I spoiled or spoiled the baby photo stuff, but you... Uh, a few weeks ago, we had somebody who also worked on a cruise ship. He was a videographer on a cruise ship. Oh, and him, really? him talking made me think, well, now it's time to get Andrew on. Cause his yeah, you've been threatening to bring me on here. So yes. I guess this is a good time. So let's, I, I suppose that means we're starting mostly with your career history. Just Well, we can start wherever. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a ramble. Just generally. That's now, what we're hoping my, for. My wife, yeah, Sam will constantly try and kick me under the table if I start because I, I can go off on tangents like you wouldn't That's fine. Well, we she, have time. She can't stop you here. No. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no. Well, we'll see. What? <laughs> the only thing she can do is she can listen and then stop listening. That's true. She, she can, can pause. Or, or, forward when she sees uh, your eyes glaze over. So she'll mm-hmm. do. So you make sure, yeah, when there's a bit of that, but. she'll know. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got into photography very young. And uh, as a lot of people do as a hobby, and you get your first camera and you start taking pictures. And, and this comes back from my, my, my dad, who uh, we always went to Scotland when, when I lived in England, because I was born in England, uh, we lived there for 11 years, and, and every year we would go up to Scotland for a couple of weeks, and it was like happy holidays. It was often raining, but it was usually great fun, and it was sometimes it was in a caravan, sometimes it was in a like bed and breakfast, just whatever was available. And we had these wonderful memories, and, and there was always Dad taking pictures, and it was usually a sunset, you know, that he would like to take pictures of. And so once we came home, there was always part of the family tradition was to sit around and watch, look at, through, look through all the slides that he'd taken, and because he was. Very, very much a, a slide person. Slide film instead of and instead of negatives. Mm-hmm. What was he shooting on? Do you remember what camera? Yeah, it was a Minolta A1. Okay. Was, um, I think I still have it. I'm one of these pack rats. I never get rid of cameras. So he gave me that many years ago, and, and I still have it somewhere. I just don't know where. So don't hmm. ask me to. I didn't bring it or anything. So that's that's going to be a oh, disappointment. But yeah, we would we would often have a, a an evening where we'd sit and we'd look through slides and and uh, and to to get that much joy from from a hobby, it, it it was quite easy for me to ask for a camera and be given one. Uh, and it was I can't remember the first one, but it was it was definitely plastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, As were many of the Minoltas of, of that era. Oh, this, this wasn't a Minolta that I didn't, yeah. they, they didn't spend that much money on my camera. Um, I was like seven or eight with my first camera, and but it was it was when I took my first um, picture that I knew was a great picture from looking through the lens, knowing that I'd taken a great picture. And it was strange because we we were on holiday, and this was the the first time we'd not been in Scotland. Uh, we went to the south of France. And we were on a, on a walk, just a nature walk out along the coast. And there was this interesting flat rock upright at the side of the road. It fascinated me. And so as we're walking past it, I noticed there was an almost perfectly round circle hole in the rock. And I looked and through it, as I looked through it, there was a, a, a sailboat in the distance right in the middle. And I, I just picked up the camera and, and I took a shot and didn't know how to do this. And it was just it just came naturally. I framed... The, the the image perfectly and and I ran and told my mum and dad who were on the, the on this walk looking at like sheep and stuff and and I says mum dad I just took this great picture 
And they went, oh, that's nice. And they carried on walking. I thought, <laughs> wait a minute, this is really good. We had to wait until we got home because I was shooting on film. Yeah. And so when everyone got all their pictures back, um, and Dad got his slides and, and I got my pictures, we're looking through, and, and then we came to this picture of, of the boat in the middle of this like almost window, like it's like a porthole almost. And it looked as good as I thought it was gonna look. And so mum and dad like, oh, this is really good. And I went, I know, I told you when I took it. <laughs> and from there I was, I was hooked on, on, on take, trying to take great images. And so the, the strange thing was I kind of, well, I turned a little older and found music and, and got into music in a big way. And uh, so I started, and I'd always played guitar, so I, I got more into, into the guitar playing and, and the, the photography kind of backslid for a, for a number of years. And then um, I wound up now, we were living in, in Fife by this time in Scotland. And um, now the economic climate there was a, a bit rough. And there were, there were some places where it was really easy to get jobs and others where it wasn't. And, and I, was, uh, I was a bit of a school dropout. I was smart, but I was lazy. And at the time when I, I, I assume you have something similar here where you have a career interview at school at a certain age where, you know, a, an advisor will, will come and sit down with you and ask you what you want to do. And that, yep. that would happen to us. And I would, would have been about 15 and mostly interested in girls and music and I was asked what I was going to be doing, what, what um, college course I wanted to take. I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do. It says, uh, I guess, you know, and I said, I, w I want to play music, I want to be a guitar player. So I've not really thought about college course, but my mum and dad want me to go to college. So, you know, I'm here talking to you. And they said, okay, so we got some space in uh, the computing course and we got some space in the building course. Now, I'm gonna age myself right now. <laughs> this was early 80s, mm -hmm. uh, mid 80s, where a computer was something you, you had to do all the coding. There was no such, you know, this was pre-Windows. Yep. So everything was, was code. And I'd done a little bit of computing and I hated it. I was like, I don't wanna do this. I don't understand this nonsense. So when I got given the offer of either a place on a computing course or a building course, well, I, I, know, I know what buildings are. I, I, they're easier to work with, so all right, I'll, I'll take the building course. So I ended up on that for two, three years before I got kicked out for not being interested. What kind of building was it? <laughs> Architecture and construction. Okay. So it was, there was very, you know, varied facets of, of, um, of building that you were studying. Um, so there was the architectural parts, there was the um, standard method of measurement study, which is a, a manual on, on how um, how high the damp proof course needs to be in a house or how, you know, all, all of the kind of specifications and the codes and the building codes and, and the angle hmm. of like services. And so we were studying exactly how steep or shallow the, the drain needs to be so that when it's being constructed, so that the builders um, <laughs> know that the poop is gonna keep moving. When you flush the toilet, if it's too steep, it's, it's not gonna work. But if it's not steep enough, the, you know, the, the water's gonna be able to move it along. So we were doing, doing all this really, really mind-numbingly boring stuff to me because I had no interest. 
and very quickly I decided that you know that this wasn't for me either but anyway um, I stuck with the college because my parents wanted me to go to college but it didn't work out I was asked to leave and I ended up working in electronics in a factory just to get some income at the time until I figured out what I did want to do and I ended up working there for five or six years um, and that's when I got back into photography and I bought a camera from a mate who was selling it what camera that was the Pentax K1000 K it wasn't K1000 no the pretty the P PT30 yeah, it was a, it was a newer. It was yeah. It was the, an the electronic K1, one. Yeah, okay. it wasn't the classic K one thousand. That was okay. the classic Pentax. Yes, the one uh, that many people yeah. learned and a they, lot and of. And they still yeah, people still use them. Yes. I mean it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean yeah, it was I was it was a PT thirty I think was the the Pentax one with a couple of lenses. Okay. And I enjoyed doing that, and um, I I started like getting my weekends. I would I would take off and and maybe go up to the Highlands and do some landscape stuff, and then. One one day, I was chatting to a to a to a mate who who was also, uh, and now this this was a guy who was incredibly intelligent, but also not particularly driven, kind of lazy like myself. And we both had a, a you know a lot of passion for music, so we we instantly became uh, very good friends. And um, we got chatting, and one day he said, "Okay, I, I'm I'm going off to Australia." I went, "You what?" Uh, he's got a cousin who lives over there and he went off to Australia for six months so I'm like well that's cool and at this time I was single and I'm thinking well that would be great to travel so how do I do that certainly not working in a factory not on the wages you can't even barely pay for a roof over your head so uh, one day I usually get a lift I did, did a bit of um, car sharing with, with a guy who one day he wasn't available and my car was in the shop so I said I, I had to take a bus All right. and normally I don't go anywhere near my local technical college but on this day I had to take the bus so get the bus I'm looking out the window and they're having having um, uh, an open day at this college I thought ah okay maybe I'll drop in on the way back so I did that I got off the bus at the college went in to see and I says do you have any photography courses and they says okay over there so I went over to see meet the the guy that was doing the the uh, intake for the college course so I think okay I'll, I'll maybe talk about doing this next year because this is like this is August this is late August the classes will be full there'll be you know the intake will be full so I'll see I'll see a little bit about it chat to them and he says okay you want to do photography yeah well, we've got a course starting next week, if you're interested. Um, you know, you just have to apply and, and you're pretty much guaranteed a spot. I went, okay, a little <laughs> bit unplanned, but okay, let's do this. And the next day, I took in my notice, handed in my notice at my work. And then I was, I was basically sat there. Um, and it was, uh, I'll never forget, because it was August 31st, um, the Sunday, and the course started on the Monday. So on the Sunday, which happened to be my 30th birthday, I got up, switched on the TV, and um, for some reason, the, the then Prime Minister, Tony Blair, was, was, was on the news. 
I'm like, oh, what's what's up? What's he on the news for? And I really, and, and I saw he was, he was in a really sombre suit standing outside a church, talking to the cameras, doing a press release. I'm like, what is this? And you could hear from his tone, someone's died. And the more I watched, the more I thought, who is it that's died? And then a picture of Princess Diana comes up on the TV. This was 1997. And so she had died on, completely ruined my birthday, by the way. Um, uh, forever. She, she, pretty will, much, yeah. Will well, forever you know, be people known. People remember the, the date, at least. Um, but yeah, the day before I'm starting a course, she's killed by apparently by the paparazzi. So I'm like, well, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of reception the photographers get tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I started, I did the course and, and that was two years of um, study and uh, graduated quite high. That's college for you, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually that's something, <laughs> there you go. I, I, that's something I, ne- I never really did. No, mm. never ever. Well, I've done, dabbled, but not something I did in college. That's a funny thing. It's like, it's over here, so, you know, it's been legalized over here and, and no interest for me. And it, it's, it's a strange situation, but we're completely digressed. Um, so, yeah, that's right. So, I, I, so when I graduated, the next, um, the next thing we did was uh, start talking about, well, we're going to get work and... and one of the guys who had done the course the year before um, came in and visited us, and this was this was probably a, a, a few weeks before graduation, and and he was sitting chatting because he'd got a job on cruise ships, and he was telling us how bad it was, how it didn't work out, and uh, I was talking to the, one of the the lecturers on the course, and I said, so why do you suppose? it didn't work for him because I'm thinking, okay, one of the reasons I did this course was because I wanted to travel. And that sounds like maybe a good option. And she says, oh, that's because he's an idiot. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> he, he, was a, he was a bit of a lad. Good and, way to dismiss and, his experience. Yeah, it, it turns out that he, yeah, he went out there and, and there's certain things that you have to do, certain things, checks and balances that they put in place to ensure that they're they're not going to waste all their money because when when you you hire someone and you put them into the the cruise ship industry there are certain costs that are going to be met uh this guy somehow got the impression that it was going to be all like champagne and pool parties and it's not it was i mean even back then i I should imagine it's even tougher now with the the economic climate that we got You, you probably have to do a lot more work now than, than we did when, when I went out there, but it's, it's hard work. And the money can be fantastic and the money can be absolutely abysmal. It varies from ship to ship. Because if you think of all the different options in cruise ships that there are, there are people who are going to be on a, on a cruise for months at a time. You can only sell them so many photographs. And this photography work was pure commission based. This was based, you know, their, their income was based purely on the money they generated. They, you know, because it's all offshore. And the whole industry is, is done, you know, in basically run from the Cayman Islands. Well, that's, it's, I should say, it's registered in the Cayman Islands yeah. and it's run from Miami. <laughs> um, and so all of, the, all of the employees, there's very few, for instance, um, Americans work on cruise ships um, in certain departments. 
and then the rest of it is, is imported labor. And, and it's great fun though. Uh, and honestly, working on cruise ships was a lot of fun. A lot of different things happened on the cruise ships, some of which, you know, you, you kind of want to keep them on the cruise ships, but there, there were some great times. Um, and uh, it's a great way to travel. It's a great way to see a bit of the world because you get some shortly, you get some time off. But you're also, I mean, one of the things you're doing is you do have a lot of time off on board the ship. And the crew areas, that's where you go and relax and let your hair down because you can't, when you're in the passenger areas, you have a certain, and it's the service industry, you've got to act a certain way. So then we have designated crew areas where you can be more yourself. So that's where the fun all happens. So that, that, was, that was five years um, on ships that I spent a lot of fun, saw a lot of places that I, I well, A, I didn't know existed, and, and B, you know, I wouldn't have been able to go and see. Most beautiful know. place you went to would be, if you had to choose your favorite destination, your favorite port of call. Uh, that would be a toss up between Alaska and, and Europe. Um, Which part of Europe? I'm just, I'm yeah. just well, the, the med, we did a med cruise and Okay, Mediterranean. The, the Mediterranean cruise was um, started, let me think, in Barcelona. Okay, Fantastic yeah. city. That's awesome. Amazing city. Uh, we hit um, Villefranche uh, on the, the French, uh, not French, on the French Mediterranean. Again, now Villefranche is probably the most stunning town you're, you're never going to see. You know, it's just an absolutely beautiful little, and it's, you know, the sheer cliffs almost. It's like, you, you, you've probably seen like Santorini and the, 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 the cliff sites full of houses and they're all completely white. Mm -hmm. Well, Villefranche was kind of similar to that, but it's all pastels because it's French and they like, they like a bit of color. So this, this was just a stunning little town. Um, and then from Villefranche, we would go to Rome. Well, that was Civita Vecchia. Uh, which is the, the port, and Livorno. So, yeah, so Civita Vecchia, we'd, we'd go on to uh, Pisa or Florence and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, Italy, again, that was a, a stunning place to go see. And then um, Malta, uh, Valletta in Malta, which is a bizarre site when you sail into that particular city because you look out and there is nothing but TV antenna everywhere. It's just a forest of TV antenna on all the roofs. Mm. So, there's no cable, no satellite. They, they, got to, they get all of their television reception from, from mainland Europe, pretty much. Hmm. It's bizarre. So Malta, Malta was interesting, but very dry. Um, where else did we go on that one? I think that was about it. Oh, Naples, of course. Okay. Crazy town. The, the, I mean, the traffic was just mind-boggling. The pizza was fantastic, but the traffic would just... It's absolutely crazy. And um, we were always told, don't buy anything from the vendors, especially if they're on mopeds. Never buy a phone, for instance, because at this time, mobile phones would, were getting, this was uh, early 2000s, and, and cell phones were becoming like really hot property. And so there's all the enterprising salesmen were selling these phones, and, and they would target a lot of tourists and, and crew members. So one of our friends, he decided, okay, I'm going to catch these guys. Right, because they said you'll end up, you'll end up without the phone. 
they'll do a switch. This is that. They won't catch me. So one of the vendors, one of the guys pulls up on a moped and he's and he goes up and he talks to this guy and he says, okay, so here's my phone. Shows him how it works, everything. Puts it in the box, <clears throat> takes the money, gets on the moped, rides off into the sunset. He's like, got it. Opens up, there's a bottle of water. <clears throat> he switched it out with a bottle of water. And he's, and he's still to this, and it costs him 150 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and he still to this day doesn't know how he did it. It's amazing. So yeah, um, interesting <laughs> place, Naples. But yeah. Uh, that's, that was that's a crazy town, and from there we went to um, Vesuvius, what, uh, Pompeii. And that that's stunning. That's still, you know, that's that's a really impactful place, you know, because it is it's preserved as it was. You know, a lot of areas are still a, excavating. Is it a very busy place for tourists? Pompeii. Yeah. Yeah. Is it's it's constant constant visitation there and so they, they've had to reduce I think they've, they've had to manage it's like Machu Picchu they're, they're having to manage how many people go through mm. you know, with the preservation and they're still excavating in parts of Pompeii so that was that was interesting to see um, but yeah so that that was Europe but um, I think Alaska Alaska would be beautiful part of the reason why I think I, I'm always going to have a fondness with, for Alaska was that's where we got engaged um, I proposed to Sam. We had some friends visiting, and uh, we were on some time off. We were able, we were, we were having a drink, and and I was just chatting to them. And for whatever reason, I, I'd been talking to them about Sam. Was a, she was she was now she worked in the casino, and I worked in the photo department. So we we had quite variant um, schedules. Although by the time uh, I was we were on the vision together, I was working towards being a, a lab technician. And that's where I spent most of my time. So quite often I would be um, printing at nighttime while she was working in the casino. So we, we were able to get some time together. And yeah, one night we were just chatting. Sam was working late and I was up drinking with these guys, just chatting away. And, and it occurred to me that you know I, I wanted to propose to her. So it was an incredibly romantic proposal on top bunk. Because <laughs> you, you share when when you work in in on a cruise ship, you share. You have a roommate because again, this we're crew. We we don't get like private yep. private bathrooms and all this kind of thing. You're sharing with another with a complete stranger, which wasn't so bad because most of us got along um, most of the time. There were very rarely there were problems because you didn't have any choice. You had to get along with people because mm -hmm. you were in each other's pockets, in each other's lives all the time, relying on each other for income. So. It worked out quite well, but yeah, I, I proposed to her when she came in that night. Hmm. Couldn't get down on one knee because we were on top bunk. I would bang my head on the ceiling, but you know, she said yeah. Well, I and uh, figured that much. Yeah. So so yeah, Alaska was great. I mean, we did a, an amazing amazing dog sled ride, and we still, the pictures are still around somewhere um, on the top of a glacier. No, that was just, and you, you take a helicopter up to the glacier and, and you're just going over the mountains looking down and, mm. and you know the the water on the you know in in these um the little pools of water is just like aquamarine just absolutely beautiful water and it's just a stunning sight and so then we did the uh the sled ride getting to mush the dogs all that kind of stuff so mm. that was a lot of fun but uh yeah and the wildlife in alaska of course is is just 
Remarkable, yeah. The whales and the dolphins, uh, <laughs> eagles, bears, all kinds of stuff. What time of year was it when you were there? The Alaska season, we did the whole season, and that's hmm, May. April, May, I think we arrived, something like that. But yeah, it was an April, the weather was brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it starts to warm up, and by the time you know it's in full, you know the season's in full swing. It's great weather. It's really nice, and it's still you still get plenty of snow and rain mm-hmm. because you're up in the mountains half the time. But it's no no different to living in Scotland. You get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and Alaska, yeah, there, there's there's some memories of that. And uh, one of the things, again, this, this will, you know, again, give context to, to the time I was working. Um, when, when you work on cruise ships, this was be, kind of pre-digital. We did one, we had one ship out. Uh, that was the Voyager of the Seas. That was the first cruise ship in the world with a digital lab. And I was lucky enough to, to go and do the setup on that ship um, with, with a few others. Just the latter stages, the last two or three weeks pre-launch uh, so you know the lab was being set up I, I didn't get to do much of the lab work which is a shame because I was this was this was my first contract when I went to the Voyager and so she came she came out we sailed across the Atlantic um, on this lab first ice rink at sea as well on that ship so hmm. I, I got to it, that class of ships uh, Voyager, Voyager class, yeah. would have also been it would have been the Explorer, the Explorer and yep. the Mariner. Yes, the Explorer was actually also being built right in front of uh, been, the, the uh, Voyager. Just it, they had already started, and they had the shell basically, and so the Explorer was was being built as we were sailing out. The Explorer was my first full length cruise. Right, and so you did it from the passenger perspective. Yeah. So you, I mean, at, at the time that you did the cruise, were you? Um, involved in photography yourself? I was still really young. Okay. See what When I was younger, and some of my family will still say that I'm suited for it, and I still kind of do it, I always wanted to be in hospitality. And I saw mm-hmm. the cruise director on yeah. those ships, and I got thinking, that seems like a fun job. And that's what I wanted to do for a very, mm-hmm. very, very long time. And it wasn't I, up until like um, probably grade 11, that's when I made the shift from the hospitality idea to the to the photography side mm-hmm. of things. And then okay. I buried it with film production and whatnot. Yep. And then I went on a cruise again in the spring of 2016. Okay. And there was a Canadian cruise director. It was on the Oasis of the Seas, one of the huge ships. Yeah, they're they're crazy. Crazy They're insane. And he was very candid. He talked to me for quite a bit because at that point, I had more or less been recently single. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a lot of ties and whatnot, so I had considered it again. Yeah. And there's still a part of me that wishes I had, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone. However... (laughs) <laughs> and that's the thing that that is, um, you you got to step back and you got to think: is it right for you? And it's really suited to the younger, the singles. Oh no, I don't and, think I'd be able to do it now. Uh, yeah, well, I, w- I was thirty two when I when I got my and first job. Maybe I'd be able job. to do it now. And that's the thing: there's the, the age that you start 
yeah, it's, it's geared towards younger people because it's very high energy, very hard work. You're um, very high energy uh, even now. Yeah, so, well, that, that's the fun, and, and there's a good story. Um, <laughs> from you, you worked with me before. You've both seen me working and yes. like, doing the photo booth, and my energy levels are quite high. No, so you should see Eric just go on and on about you. Everybody yeah. does. But. Well, the second I saw you doing it, I'm like, yeah, he's better than Teal and I at this, for sure. It's it's a knack. It's just, and it's a it's a personality thing, definitely. But the energy does does have to come from somewhere, and I'm, I I guess I've got a high energy level naturally. So when you're on a cruise ship and you're talking like long distances, you're doing a lot of walking, and I developed a very specific style of walking that so you can imagine me putting that energy into just walking from a to b it's very focused but now you uh, big nose right often gets itchy so i i developed a, a tick over years and, and i do this quite a lot so now and bear with me in the okay. cruise ship industry huge concern of course is drugs yes i can so see that there's me walking at a high rate of knots, doing this all the time. I was by far the most selected person for the random drugs oh. test <laughs> oh, no. in the entire cruise industry for like that five years, I swear. And every contract, my name would come up for the random drugs test. I'm like, honestly, there's seven of us in this crew, you know, just in the photography crew, you know, it's like there's 500 crew members. <laughs> And in a short six-month span, even if I went changed from one ship to another, I'd get tested randomly on both ships. And I, and I swear it was down to this, this high-energy walk with, with the... <laughs> and the worst part was, I, I share, I'm not going to name him, although he'll never see this. Um, you never know. We have some weird people comment on people stuff okay. that... Well, he, he, he was from Jamaica. I mean, we, we had people Oh, we're very big in Jamaica. World. Yeah? Yeah, it's where all of our views come from. It must be the, the backing music he used. Um, when we... <laughs> as, as I mentioned, we all share a bunk, you know, share a cabin with, with someone else. But by the time me and Sam were engaged, Sam was already a head cashier uh, with the casino, so she got her own cabin. So when I, whenever I would arrive, word would already get around that I was going to be the person's cabin mate. They, were, they knew they were getting the cabin to themselves, which is a real bonus because I'm living with Sam in her cabin. And so my bunk is, is free. Um, so yeah, that, there were lots drawn for getting me as a cabin mate, you know, that kind of thing. And, and this, this, there, there's lots of couples on cruise ships, quite often the case, but usually you have to kind of make arrangements. Well, I was with Sam, having her own cabin, that was great. So we, we stayed in her cabin. All our luggage would stay on my top bunk. And that was all I used it for. Anyway, so a couple of years after one of our contracts, towards the end of our time on cruise ships, actually, we got chatting to uh, one of my friends uh, about some of the people we'd worked with. And I mentioned this guy's name. Yeah, I, I, I was on. I did two contracts with him. One, my first one, and he was he was great. He was a really cool guy. And then I shared again with him um, on Nord Nordic Empress, I think it was. Uh, anyway, the the ship itself was. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Nordic, because <clears throat> our cabin was 
or Sam's cabin was literally in in the same corridor as the photographers' cabins, and so we were right across the the hall from from this guy. And so I'd said, yeah, yeah, about about a year ago, I, I was back with uh, with him, and he went, yeah, he's in jail now. <laughs> he's what? Yeah, he got busted. They the they they were they arrested him in um, Bermuda, and. Um, because they'd been following, watching him for a long time, uh, they raided his cabin and, and found, like, I can't remember how much, 100,000 grams, you know, thousand dollars worth of uh, cocaine in, in his luggage. Uh, you think you luggage. could easily fit that? Well, I, I don't know. I, uh, this, this is what I heard. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's in Bermuda. He's being tried in Bermuda. He's being jailed in Bermuda. I was like, well, worst places to spend the rest of your life. And it's says, true. Oh, yeah, no, Bermuda jails you don't want. In. No. I'm like, oh, well, that's the thing. It's quite common for, you know, like launderers and that work through a place like Bermuda, all the tax havens and that. So um, the f- funny thing is, if he'd been caught with that in my cabin, I could just as easily have been arrested. Well, especially with your nose tick. With the, yeah, <laughs> all of that. So, and the random drugs tests. So, yeah, it, that, that was a scary. Mm-hmm. want to find out about but yeah they've been watching him for years and um but again you've got to catch them and you've got to be pretty sure that you're, you're getting them at the right time so yeah that was scary so there, there's a lot goes on a lot goes on on, on the you're trip. a you're a happily married oh. self and not so self-proclaimed family man we all know you're the family man yeah um so you don't have to go into details but i i've heard tell life on a cruise ship outside of the apparent drug smugglers and whatnot there can be quite the amount of debauchery did you notice that too or was it kind of tame um, i well it's again it's it's young younger people it's, it's aimed at the younger people and there was yeah there, there was we had um some fairly how do i put it you know <laughs> <laughs> i how are we rating this podcast? Is it PG or no? I mean, it doesn't it's, have to be. I, I don't. I, I was lucky with with hooking up with Sam, and for me that was that was all. Once once I'd got hooked up with Sam, that was fine for me. Um, beyond that, yeah, I mean, there was very short term relationships. There were other people who would have several longer term relationships going and they would maintain them sometimes with the knowledge sometimes without the knowledge um and then there were there you know the the, um the doctor's office had um a basket full of condoms sat on the desk at all times and you could always drop in and and grab condoms so yeah i mean (laughs) it's young kids very cheap booze um readily available and you got a lot of time off so yeah there was plenty of that going on plenty of that and it was it was pretty open as long as and you know as long as you weren't trying to mix it up with the passengers yeah that's that was the one big no-no um and i think that there there were certain certain departments like the the waiters would would see that as a challenge (laughs) and you heard some stories about the waiters getting um trying to get away with it and a few of them got sacked for, Hmm. for being caught and others just got great stories, I guess, for not being caught. But yeah, I always liked there was a there was a movie called Out to Sea with Walter Matthau and Jack mm-hmm. Lemmon. Yeah, 
and it's, one, it's a weird movie to say it's one of my favorites, but it's one of my favorites yeah. growing up just because they became dance hosts right. on a cruise ship, and the cruise director was played by the guy who played Data on Star Trek The Next Brent Generation. Spina? Yep. Really? Cool. Yep. Okay. And... Um, Rue McClanahan played the the owner of the ship and whatnot. It's it's a good movie. It's basically like uh, grumpy old men right at sea. sea. Okay, but it's such a <laughs> grumpy old seaman. Yeah, but it's such a farce, and they still make the the cruise living or the cruise ship life look not quite glamorous because it's not. They make fun of the the accommodations for the employees. The accommodation and the food was always the big joke on cruise ships because honestly when you see the cruise ship menus and the restaurants and the dining rooms and the fine and it, it looks amazing of course it will it's a it's a great selling point and for us working formal night was one of the you know highlights because on one of the ships especially because the chief there chalky he and i'm still in touch with him thanks to facebook uh he was an amazing guy really hard-working guy um, but he was working on the Sovereign, which was uh, a three and four day cruise ship. By that, I mean they would in one week have two cruises. First one was three days, and that was that was the Sovereign. Where did she started out in um, Miami? Yeah, so she would be Miami, um, Nassau, Bahamas, and then Coco Cay, private beach. Nice. Been um, there, like it. And then. On four day, it used to be Miami, um, Nassau, Coco Cay, Key West. Hmm. Back to Miami, Key West, fantastic. Still one of my favorite places. I um, I want to go. It's it's on yeah. my song line. But that was three and four days. So you had two sets of passengers, and two formal. And the formal night is that's your gravy. That's your that is your bread. That's your living. Is making the most of that one formal night on the ship for photos for photos yeah because everyone's getting dressed up and they want to meet the captain they want to get their pictures done so <coughs> excuse me on a on a formal night we would get up switch the lab on often shoot the gangway on arrival so passengers getting off we shoot them um, then we'd be setting up well so you've got the team is split up you've got the gangway team who's shooting the gangway you've got a printer who's coming down switching on the, the lab collecting the film getting the print started and getting it printed and up on the wall but you've also got the formal night team who are out setting up all the backdrops you know the cheesy the moon the ship um the captain's cocktail party um the the centrum uh like the the piano shoot you know wherever like uh, uh, the, the centerpiece of the cruise ship. It's always and a staircase. Always a, yeah, and a staircase shoot, that kind of thing. And this was like four or five different locations, plus you were going in and shooting in the dining room as well. While, pe you know, while people were trying to eat their dinner, you're shoving the camera in their face and telling them to smile. Mm -hmm. And that, again, that's, that's something that you, you need a real kind of forward personality to get it done properly and get it done quickly but get it done well as well. You want to be able to take a picture that people are going to buy. So, and, and this is where the personality comes in. You've got to have self-confidence to, to go and approach a table. And while you're approaching it, you're looking for the couple who are looking for a picture. 
because if you get a, a refusal when you first walk up to them and they say no get lost it gives the rest of the table they're like oh yeah no we don't want to do it and suddenly you've you've got a blank table you're not going to make any money there so you're looking for the couple where she's maybe 20 years younger than him and you know <laughs> he's going to be quite happy to get picture taken with her mm -hmm. but she's you're you're looking to her you're making sure she can see the camera as you're making a beeline and she's already leaning towards him and half your job's done half your work's done because when one person does it the next set is much easier to go okay your turn so it's great fun but that's the formal night and so all of this is happening as well as shooting the gangway and, and when it's you know two cruises in one week you've got to maximize every single shoot so you're doing all this shooting and then the lab is in full production mode to get the pictures up on the wall for the next morning. So it's literally, it's a 24 hour operation to get the pictures up on the wall for when they're getting up in the morning. Because quite often you'll have a C day where they've got nothing else to do. They're coming to the photo gallery and they're looking. So you're, you're printing these pictures through the night and you're starting to display them sometimes five, six in the morning. Sometimes you, you just start displaying them in the middle of the night. It just depends on how you want to do it. And you're working with a team, so you're figuring out, when are we going to do this? This, so, sorry to interrupt, but this is how it worked in the digital era? Like this was, no, this is how it was when I was just film. Okay. doing it in film. Nowadays, I'm pretty sure what Be they do is it's, it's on media. screen in, in their cabins. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what the, they were moving The last towards. time I was on, they did it, they did it cabin, but they still had this beautiful, uh, gallery like yep. the, of all, every, just everybody so the cabin stuff worked but i still found myself looking through the yeah the gallery yeah. photos and then that's where you could get your cruise canvases and whatnot yep and they also had a at least on the oasis they had a actual photo studio because they had a they had their um a static studio yeah they uh the that oasis family of ships has the they call it the central park or whatever it's mm -hmm. a it's an inside garden okay um and in that garden there's a there's a cafe and whatnot but there was a there was a just completely freestanding photo studio that looked like something you'd get here like a high not necessarily high end but a a good photo studio with a white and many other color backdrops that you could book a photo shoot in like that's I wonder how well that does because on a ship be like that, it'd be that. a bit redundant. I don't want I don't want a photo yeah. shoot in front of a white backdrop when I'm on a cruise. Yeah, at least that, give me a cheesy the, staircase. The, the, the che yeah, the cheesy, the <laughs> Titanic staircase. Yeah, the, the moon, the, the all of those kind of things, and and the the, the ship with the railings, anything like that. Um, that people lap that up, but it's been done the same way for what 30 still 50 is 50 years still do. it's it's still popular but yeah it's the delivery method has probably changed somewhat because we printed everything at eight by ten and it was 20 bucks an image something like that and um, and I, th I think one of the biggest challenges they had was especially nowadays is the smartphones yeah i mean we we had a problem with people just getting out their crappy like instant cameras or the you know, and this was pre-digital. You know, again, you, some people had digital cameras, but most people were just getting regular cameras and just taking pictures of the pictures. And so you you got to stamp that out. Yeah. 
because it's like, wait a minute, this, this is our living <laughs> that you're messing with. The fact that even now they're still printing Mm. most of the photos and putting yeah. it up in the gallery and there's no watermarks anywhere like that you'd ah. think over the course of time it'd be it'd be smart to just have a smart device where you can scroll and those are watermarked so in that way mm. if people do take photos not that it deters a ton of people but they'd be taking photos with a watermark yeah. Yeah. and then if they order the photos they they can be printed without the watermark instead of just printing all these yeah. photos and i'm assuming a fair percentage aren't purchased we now at I, least i don't know i mean back then i think it was probably about 20 to 30 percent was bought we were we were throwing out a huge amount of, hmm. of stock and of course people would come up to us and say you know what if you didn't charge as much you'd sell more and it's like, no, it's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the way it always it's, is. It's, that's how it is. If we charge less, you'll s still have people coming up and telling us the same thing. This is the price we charge. Yep. It's an arbitrary, I, mean, I guess it's an arbitrary charge, but they've got to, they've got to know what the cutoff is. And I guess when you're doing something like this, you're putting, you're nudging the price up until you get to a stage where you're suddenly, the, the sales are dropping off. And of course, one of the things is the magic numbers. When you, when you get past, you know, it was 1995. And when you get up over the 20, you've suddenly just stepped over a line and suddenly the price becomes too high. 1995 isn't as yep. expensive sounding as 2095. Yeah. Nowadays, if somebody took a photo of me and it was a good photo, I think that's, that's the difference. If it is a certifiably good photo and they're selling me an eight by 10 for $20, even here, if it's a good photo, I, I'd say that that's about the, the, the top of what I'd pay for a single 8x10. Mm -hmm. And I threw the digital in, and I'd argue a little bit, but if they're going to... Yeah. I, well, this, this is an, uh, a selling point that we have through, through the baby photographers who, who I currently work with, because we have this debate quite often. We're name-dropping. We used to. Yeah. That's, Hi, Al. The, the, <laughs> the Baby Photographers, Inc., Find us on Instagram. Um, when we, <laughs> sorry, you you want to go the full plug? Now, when but I'll put a link in the on the screen. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. What's the website? You know the website off by heart. I have no idea. I never go. <laughs> I know what we do. <laughs> but like... yeah, we have the discussion about you know we used to print. Oh, I know. Canadian baby, we used to print, and the one of the big things we have is prior customers. You have to go through it. You have to explain. We don't print anymore. We've stopped that completely. One of the reasons being people would always complain that the price of the print was, was expensive and they just want the digital. And the Canadian baby way had always been, you can buy the digital, but you have to spend $200 minimum on prints because we're a print company. Once you've bought the prints, you can have access to the digitals. We, we basically, because we don't have a lab, if we're going to print, we're printing to a middle through a middleman, a mediator, and we're losing more money that way. So for us, it's it's better to to just go straight to the digital because the argument is now the digital is far more valuable than a print because a print is copyright. You can scan it, we can't stop you, but you've lost quality straight away as soon as you use a flatbed scanner. You know, I don't even know is it flatbed scanners now? It's one of my now? favorite things at BDs. So when people bring in copyright material, mm -hmm. all the photos that say professional yeah. photo do not copy, yeah. and they get 
so mad when I'm like, we can't copy this. Yeah. Like, why not? Like, it says, like, if it's a book, do not reproduce. Not, yeah. No part of this book can be reproduced. This photo, uh, has it's it says, do not copy. She's like, well, the photographer is dead. I'm like, that's, it says, do not copy. Yeah. I, we can't do anything. Get a note from his mom. Um, yeah. And then, so beyond that, yeah. So when you buy the digital version of an image, you're, you're getting complete ownership from us. And so, and that is, it's a good selling point. Um, I still, I, I still like print. I think it's, it's. I easily, like print as yeah, well. It, it is, it is the, uh, a medium that's never going to go away. But then the, the argument that to print photos now in the case where you no longer have a proprietary lab that's doing the work for you. There's a middleman that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. If you were to find the right supplier that could even ship right to the customer, mm-hmm. so you don't you don't have to worry about that or anything like that. Yeah. Isn't it still more valuable to make another two or three dollars per picture than to make to let Walmart take all the profit? Uh, probably. <laughs> we are looking at that. You know, we we we've had the discussion. And, and there's a couple of people he, you know, Al's been talking to, to try and see if we can offer either or, or both. But we we want to stick with digital for now. It's working well. Oh yeah. And then the print side of things <clears throat> is that, and and this part of this comes to expansion and, and volume, because to get a, a reasonable price from a, a a middleman, we want to be able to bring them a certain level of work. But what you've got to bear in mind is when we're doing, when I'm doing a baby shoot now, I'm doing the shoot, the viewing, and the sale. Whereas prior with Canadian Baby, I was doing the shoot and I was gone. I was 25 minutes at times in and out of a client's house. Now, if I'm doing all of that, I'm, I'm over an hour. So if I'm then going to start taking print orders, you then add on how much extra time you've got for that, when does that become financially viable? If somebody just wants to order one or two prints, I can't then turn around, you know, they don't want to order any digitals. How much are they going to charge for these prints? So That's it true. is, it's, it's a vicious, and it, it'll, it'll constantly go around when we can just say, you take the digitals, you can print as much as you want, and you, you decide how much you're going to spend. So it's, it's a strange, strange situation where you want to, you want to be able to provide the customer with as much service as possible. I would love to be able to add a print option, but we've got to, we've got to do it in such a way that, that it makes sense for us to add it. Because I very rarely have people say, well, I don't want to buy the digitals, I just want the prints. Well, yeah, that was a, that was a very I, rare thing when I was rare, doing yeah. it too. And, and that did, did happen one time, and that was with a prior customer who had... I think it was a third or fourth. Just want the set of twelve five by seven, and that's what they they wanted. Five, six, or seven prints. It makes some sense for some people, but they're just not going to. What are they going to do with digital images if they don't have a collection of photos already Mm -hmm. on a computer? They don't have a NAS. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but but there's if there's no because a lot of people put a lot of stock into keeping like all my photos are in this one computer or my phone or whatever. Mm -hmm. If they don't have that, then I suppose it would make sense that they would not care in the slightest for a digital image. Yeah. But when we're talking about our clientele being young families, young mums, very few of them are going to not really be at the level of, of, of having a digital media 
you know, option. And so it is, it's, it's very rare that someone wouldn't have the ability to do any printing, you know, from, from digital. It's fair. You can, I mean, I think even the Walmart photo studio or print studio now has an app that you can just choose the photos from your phone and yep. print them. So mm-hmm. yeah, they have it. in one way or another, you can definitely get prints done. It's just a question. And this, this is thing that I, uh, have issues with, and it becomes more of an issue with each passing year. It's all these people. So all your customers now have 10 or whatever photos that they may use, they may print, Mm -hmm. but that's the thing. That's one of the nice things about the Canadian baby prints is it was done. You could give them out because photos stay on CDs. Most people don't print photos from CDs unless they want, like if that's an effort that you have to go do. Agreed. We, we find that with the, the school pictures and the Santa pictures. If you want to just get the CD, you're still you're, again you're you're spending forty bucks, and we never take that CD out. We've got like I don't know, probably about a dozen CDs mm-hmm. that we've never put in even in the computer because we've got enough prints to send out to the family. Same with the school pictures. We you know we, we don't bother with the CD option because we know we're not going to print anything. Okay. So in the case of all vacation stuff that I do, I I sort, I edit. I may keep, I'll definitely keep the raws of the ones that I have edited just so I can go back to them. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not taking the time to edit the photos, within a few months they're gone because they're not ones that I care about. Yeah. They might have been good at the time or they might not have been, but they, that's, but this is also coming from a person who has like 18 terabytes of storage. Yeah. So you've got room, you've got space. That's not an issue for you. I, I need, I need space saving whatever raw photo I can get rid of is a small win. <laughs> you went to Disney World. Yes. How was Disney? Good as ever. Yeah? I mean, the first time I went there, I was 16. Um, 15, actually. It was my, my 16th birthday present was a guitar. There you go. Um, tying back into the original discussion. But yeah, I was, I was 15 when we first went there. And it was, it was... Now, this was the first time I'd been to the States. First time I'd been on a plane, I think, possibly, probably. Um, so we flew to the States and it, and you, you get off and, and it is hard to explain someone who's been in Scotland, living in Scotland, to, to get off and be hit by a, a wave of, of heat <laughs> and to see the kind of cars that you see on TV, mm. just driving around like perfectly normal. It's like, wow, look at that, you know. It's an Oldsmobile. <laughs> <laughs> but to a 15-year-old getting there, it is. It's just your whole Surreal. horizon just gets pushed so far away that it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. And, and that's, again, that's part of why I've always had the travel bar. I've always loved traveling. And I was glad that I, I spent the five years traveling on, on cruise ships. But now coming back to, to Disney this year, we took our girls, uh, we drove down. I actually enjoyed the drive. We drove the um, to hell of a drive. Mountains. I don't mind it. It's, for me, it's, and this is the, this is the, the strange argument. Because, I mean, financially, it's about a tenth of the cost, even, oh, yeah. even with the hotel stay added to it. It's still about a tenth of the cost of flying four of us down. And so, yeah, it's, it's two days in the car. 
but it's it's time well spent. We enjoy it, um, and the drive itself, I don't mind. I drive forty thousand kilometers a year, and so what's an extra four? I don't miss that. Yeah, I I don't mind it. Never mind it. I I enjoy, but that's why I drive a stick shift as well. I enjoy driving. So the drive down to Florida, the, we took the mountain route for the first time ever. Um, we went to CAA for our triptych. Yes, Mountains, we yeah. took the triptych, uh, and when when I ordered it, they went, "Oh, you're going that way." Yeah, I went, "Yeah." <laughs> oh, it's just that's that's not really our winter route. I'm like, "Well, we're going in November." Visit Chattanooga. Um, well, the, no, that Chattanooga was the that was the first or the last time we drove down. We stopped in Chattanooga. On the way back, we came back that way because when we went through, we hit a huge blizzard. Um, That's exactly why they did Between two and three in the morning um, that got us to a point where there was zero visibility. Uh-huh. And this was, this was two hours into the drive. And I thought, oh, my God, we're going to have to turn back and go through Windsor. Um, but we pushed on and we got through it. Um, and that was the only time we had any problems. But we says, okay, we're coming back in a week. We're not coming back this way. Because we know the way um, through Ohio and all of that. We know that route. Mm-hmm. We've done it that many times. So, yeah, that was, that was scary. But, I mean, it is a beautiful drive, and I, and I would love to do it in slightly more clement weather, <laughs> shall we say, mm-hmm. um, another time. And it's it definitely quicker. It, it feels quicker. And I think it is um, the, the fact that you're not driving through Georgia for, what, six hours? Yeah. Before you get to Florida for another six hours. So that's basically the second day is two states and that, that always kind of felt like a grind it's not so bad going home but always arriving it just seemed to stretch out that second day some internally yeah i think the feel i feel like this time we went to florida alabama felt like the longest alabama was huge it was a long drive mm. and i'm the opposite driving there to florida no matter how long it took, yeah. that was fun. I Driving yeah, home, you're just depressed. I don't want to go home. It's cold. It's snowing I there. I did not feel great considering I drove for like, I don't even know how many hours. What, yeah, I like fucked six up. Six or I, seven. I, and with the promise of Jesse sleep, like, <laughs> sleeping on the way and then driving in the middle of the night. I tried. And then he tried, but then was, I still ended up driving like the last three hours at like from three in the morning until like six. It was hard <laughs> to sleep during the day. Like you did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's I like agree. We, we nap. And the only reason that I was okay with that is I knew it would be impossible for me to sleep during the day and be mm-hmm. awake at night. I tried. So yeah. I let it be. Yeah, I mean, pr- normally we the last few times we've left at nine o'clock at night to give the girls a good long sleep, uh, drove through the night. Um, taking good long breaks and that would mean a much shorter second day but mm-hmm. this time we did like 1, one thirty in the morning we left mm-hmm. and we drove till 6, 6-ish we stopped in wasn't Charlotte um. Colum- Columba Columbia Colombo Jacket. Well, you definitely didn't stop in Colombo or Columbia. What state? I want to say one of the Carolinas. State of disrepair. North Carolina. Well, Charlotte. Because no, Charlotte was south. Was North Carolina. We stayed in South. Carolina. Oh, okay. Anyway, hmm. wasn't Charleston. I know that. Anyway, so yeah, um, 
it was it was a blast. It was a great time. This and because Sam works in retail, she doesn't get to do Christmas, you know, for vacations. She's she's in work. It's it's a blackout period for for vacationing. So we managed to just get the first week of of uh, Christmas in Disney. So that was that was great fun. Uh, we'd never done that before. We usually do the haunted Halloween or not so scary Halloween. Um, but um, Mackenzie has got over her fear of going upside down on a roller coaster, so you I still have that picture. fear. Yeah, that's. I don't, I don't like upside down. No. Well, she finally did the Aerosmith rock and roller coaster. That's, I did see the photo. I, that's. I love that ride so much, and you know, every time I go, Steven Tyler doesn't look a day older. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't, see, I I modeled my energy on him. <laughs> Pretty good energy. Oh yeah. I, um, my family is going to Disney in January with my nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. And since they were born, because I don't have kids of my own yet, I dreamed of going to Disney with them because I, especially my one nephew, very creative. And that's, that to me is just really intriguing seeing it once again through the eyes of a child because that's a magical place. It's oh, the happiest place on earth. But I, and I, and I still can't get over this. It doesn't matter what age the people are. Uh, you you see, like the teenagers who would normally be the sullen. Yeah. Oh, no, they they have fun. It's... I hate you. And <laughs> they're not. They're they're walking around. They're smiling. They're yeah. wearing the stupid ears, and and they've got the everything. You can see how much fun they're having, <laughs> and they're excited. Now. This and this was my my first experience. I was fifteen when I first went there. So for me, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm probably like a, a little because it's my first time. This is probably not the normal way to re, to act when you're a fifteen year old in Disney. But I loved it. Um, but coming back, yeah, it's it's still a lot of fun coming going with uh, with the kids, the girls, and uh, yeah, we've we've always enjoyed it. Always loved the place. But I tell you what, their photos, and they've got it down to a fine art. With you know you. You, you scan the card, they take the picture, you scan the card, and you've got a collection, you buy the CD at the end, or you order individual images. We used to pay, what, 150 to 180 bucks for it. We went to order it this time, it's gone up to 280 bucks for the, for the CD hmm. of all the images. It's crazy. So we'll, we'll order it. What choice do we have? We, we, you know, most of our photos were taken by their staff. Were they good? They were competent. They were... They're holiday photos. You yep. know, it's 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 an industry. It's it's very well polished. It's it's the same as what we do um, when we take baby photos. It's it's very polished. We can photograph five, six, seven babies in a day because we have a system and we have a, a technique. Why am I getting the eyes? Because I was yourself slowly out. pulling it towards <laughs> myself. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so yeah, one one of the one of the things is yeah they. It is such a well-oiled machine at Disney that you know, and and the Toy Story world is now open. So that was that was amazing. The Toy Story Land, uh, the roller coaster is a Slinky Dog. <laughs> where, Fantastic. Where I, I've never been to Disney. I, mm-hmm. did, I don't know really anything about it. Where do they get the room for these rides? Do they take other ones down, or they do they expand the park? Bit of both. I mean, it is. They, they have. They own mass amounts of undeveloped yeah. land still. Huge Makes sense. Tracks, and it's all swamp land, so okay. they can do whatever they want with it. But yeah, they're they're currently they've torn down um, a couple of rides. We I'm not even sure which ones it is, but there's some that will stay there forever, like the, the Dumbo ride. I mean, they refurbished that 
and they added some extra stuff to it, but it's still the same Dumbo ride that has been there for decades. Yeah, it's um, a small world after all. It's a small all. world after all that, that will never go away, you know. It's a huge draw. Um, the kids loved it, but they were building uh, the Tron experience, the Tron ride. Which is odd because, like, Disney, I get it. Their parks, their because of what they own they're being a little bit more marvel and star wars heavy mm-hmm. with some of their new things mm-hmm. but i know about that tron thing and the last movie that they had tron legacy bombed so they're putting a lot of money in something that wasn't wasn't that well received and it's been a few years like but it'll always be in their canon it'll always be in their oh, I know archives that. they will very probably get their money back oh yeah from from just people the doing ride, the ride, the ride existing the in the park, there's no way that they're not going to make their money. That yeah, that park, yeah, exactly. whether it's an empty plot of land or it's another ride, they're... The Pirates of the Caribbean ride, that could well have been one that got demolished to make way for uh, for a new one. Instead, they made a movie out of it. Well, yes, and there's a whole separate story behind that. Yes. And they, they make the movie and then they refurbish the ride. Yeah, they put Jack Sparrow in there and suddenly it's, it's yeah. a huge popular ride again. You know, so they, they, they can't, you know, they, they can't hit with every swing. Is, is the park like a manageable size to walk around in the course of a day? Or is it a little bit too big for that? I'm expecting you know, you don't go on every ride. You just you don't, you've no no chance. You just Not pick just because of the the, the wait the lines, times on yeah. a lot of them. That's why the fast pass is a great thing. I will say the best experience I ever had at Disney, and it will never oh, compare. I know this. Is uh, my brother? We all got to go down with Make a Wish, mm-hmm. and we got to do Disney and Universal. And I to this day will say that Universal theme parks are more. Uh, more technologically advanced than Disney. They take mm-hmm. bigger risks. If you're mm-hmm. a movie person, Universal is obviously a lot better because they're very good at the immersive movie stuff. Yeah. Universal, because it was myself, my dad, my stepmom, and my brother. We all got the the unlimited fast pass. So mm-hmm. at Disney, we didn't have to sign in. we just go to the front of the line. Yeah. That was cool. That meant that we went on everything that we could. Yeah. And yeah. even without a lineup, can't do everything. It's yeah. impossible. Okay. Then it's, at Universal, they actually gave everybody in my family the, the extent because there was my stepsister and her husband, so they got the unlimited fast pass mm-hmm. as well. So that was that was an interesting experience. I would yeah, never. I, I, it's it's a wonderful thing that they do this. It really is, and um, the the fast pass is a great concept. I don't know who came up with it first. But it's a brilliant idea because when, when the lineup, I mean, the, the Slinky Dog ride, because it's so new, the lineup, we were shocked to see that it was 110 minutes. Wow. For turns a six out, minute ride. Turns out that before that, um, when it first opened, it was over 200 minute wait. And people were standing for over three hours to do one ride because it was a ride that hadn't been done before. Simple mm. as that. And that's, you think you've got young kids standing in line to go to Disney to do that it sounds they, miserable that, yeah I mean I, I wouldn't do that <laughs> you know we, we, we did the, the the whirling you know the three aliens in Toy Story yep. yeah right we did their ride that was only a 40 minute wait and the girls were brilliant you know but the, the whole idea you know you, you, you help 
them understand that some things you do have to wait for. But as soon as they saw the length of the, the time that they'd be expected to, to wait for, for for the Slinky Dog ride, they were like, yeah, no. <laughs> it's a big chunk of your day. It is a huge chunk of your could day, you, and, and it's not cheap for, for admission. Is there like a slow season where you could strategically just... They do. The they do have it. down seasons, mm-hmm. but Disney even has that down to a science. All the articles I read they say create, it's. I think they create long. I have something about on the on the down lineups. season. Yeah. They create, uh, not necessarily artificial weight, but they'll take extra carts out of yep. the queue, so that way it looks like the ride's fuller. It looks like the ride's fuller because you want to create. It's that Busy. scarcity. Yeah, you want so okay. I, I, I can I can believe that. Which makes it's me never occurred to lose me. a little bit of respect. And I, I feel like even Canada's Wonderland has oh, done definitely. things like that. Which is uh, which is a park that I feel like you really could see all in one day if you went on a sort of slow day. Like, um, again, yeah, that's... They're smart in the way that they have realized. like the, their prime yeah. rides, their, the, the popular ones like mm-hmm. the Aerosmith roller coaster and whatnot. And then as you're waiting for that, if you do have the fast pass, there are smaller things or there are mm-hmm. ones. It's been a long time since I've been there, but um, there are some that just by nature, because they're older or not as popular, the waits aren't as long. So oh, there is yeah. yeah. a decent mix. There, there's a good mix of, of rides you practically walk Did in. Did you uh, go see... Uh, our president Donald J. Trump at the Hall of Presidents. Where is, is, is he even in? Yeah. Wow. Where is the Hall of he Presidents? He barely got into George Bush's funeral. Oh, I know. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> um, no, they they have always done it. So all the new presidents get their own speaking lines, but he's in the the animatronic Hall of Presidents. Didn't go. I figured. But to be honest, I've never been. It's an interesting show. Probably be a little bit more riveting if you're American. But I, I would think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we when we arrived, they were just raising the flag and doing the anthem. And we were like, okay, we're going to go this way. And suddenly I stopped and I realized everybody is standing like that. And we're like, come on, let's wait a minute. <laughs> because I... Oh, say Yeah. And, and suddenly you think, I, you don't want to be disrespectful in, in this country. You, you know... The way the way the country is now, and the the division that's going on in it, people are tense in the states. I mean, the happiest place on earth. You don't expect anyone to give you a hard time for just walking past and ignoring the anthem. But at the same time, it's not necessary. You can, you know, stand around for a minute. You know. So they they raise the flag. But the the level of patriotism in the states is is quite scary. You know. I mean, it's. When you, when you think of the, the the dismissive nature towards like religions, and and how people say, oh, they're they're just brainwashed to to act this way or that way, there's no difference when when you you, you get kids to to learn the pledge of allegiance to to children being taught, for instance, the Quran from a very young age, you know, or being taught the Bible. There's no difference. So patriotism's one thing, but when it gets to the stage, I don't want to say brainwashing, um, because it, it's not. It's 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 scary to see how quickly it it takes over a situation. Like everyone's to it was like you, that amazing scene in the Truman Show, where he about to come around the corner. Everyone's standing waiting, 
and he says, and action, and everyone goes about their life. A brilliant scene, always, always amazed me. And, and I felt that just for one minute, I was in this very strange, surreal situation where suddenly everyone had stopped. And that's the power of, of, uh, of their anthem. Even in Canada, our national anthem gathers a fair bit of attention. It's yeah, not, not, it's sure. not the same I've as like a pledge, but... I've never been uh, to... <clears throat> I wonder if Canada's Wonderland does it. I've never been to the opening, like when Canada's no, Wonderland right no, opens. Um, no, I've never seen that, so I, I don't know. So they might. I mean, Canada, Canada's in your name. Canada's Wonderland. So sure. they raise sure. the Canadian flag. I think hockey's about as patriotic as we get. I don't know. Some sporting events. Yeah, I mean they they do both. I mean they'll do both anthems. Yeah. Um, when there's a, an American. Well, or that's respectful. Canadian, you can't do that's, one that's, and not yeah, do the that's, other. That's true. You got to respect the the team playing. And it's like at the uh, at football matches, soccer matches. You know, they'll they'll play both countries' anthem. And and if you're lucky, the the home supporters won't boo um, the <laughs> the uh, other nations' um, anthem unless it's England Scotland, which is. <laughs> that's quite that's always fun that's always fun. yeah I, I was 11 i think i was 11 when i moved up to scotland and so just going into high school with this accent <laughs> that was fun mm. and of course we still had you know and and the the home internationals had been stopped which is a competition of uh, the, the four countries england scotland ireland and wales would play in a round robin competition and they still do it, the five nations, and now the six nations in rugby, and it's a fantastic occasion. But they, they'd stopped doing it in the football. I think there was too much trouble being caused at the games. And so that, that was a shame. But you still got them occasionally drawn against each other in the World Cup and the European Cup, you know, the, Euro, um, the Euros. So that was always fun to see. You post a lot to Facebook mm. regarding football, and I... It reminds me every time I see it just how little I'm aware well, of. Remember how I told sport. you that oh, all of, your posts in Game, <coughs> yeah, of Thrones, Game, of, Game of Thrones, we yeah, get I, them, even though that we're not in that group. We get every one of your you, posts. Oh, yeah. You didn't that, know that you were just posting publicly? Or? I knew I was posting okay. publicly because I'm, I'm hoping to, to bring in a wider audience. And, and I go and I'm active on um, other posts uh, from like the, the Premier League and from BBC Sport and Sky Sport. And I, I, and I do engage in, in discussions there but um, I mean I, I want to expand the reach on that and, and I want to maybe take it into voice first as well start doing that um, for like um, as an Alexa skill mm. and, uh, because that's that's something I mean you, you, you've read the reports and sure you don't you don't follow what's what's in it but you, you can read it and it's like okay sure. you see the body work you see what I'm trying to do with each game yeah. just give a two minute kind of summary of what's going to happen i think if almost um, that was in an audio or video format it would, that would be a lot audio. more interesting I mean, this is what the the whole alexa skills fascinates me with is because you can be like shaving in the morning brushing your teeth having your breakfast you would do that for the news but if you were really more interested in what's going on in the world of football if this skill was available and say hey alexa who's playing this weekend then that would be a great little soundbite to do. So I, I'm, I'm looking at how to work it hmm. and how to record it for Alexa, but I, I, I haven't got the, um, the, the, the acuity to, to bring that into, into a skill yet, but it's certainly something I'm, I'm trying to explore. That sounds kind of neat, actually. I didn't know there was so much to it. Oh yeah, the, 
Alexa's and 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 all of this AI stuff is is fascinating. You have it at home. Um, I've asked Santa for one. Actually, oh, I see. And so that remains to be seen. They're getting quite affordable. I see that all mm-hmm. the time on Amazon. Yeah. They have a, they have one of those uh, Billy Bass, you know the, oh, God, the ones you would put on the wall. The singing fish. Yeah, but it's Alexa enabled, so it'll do. It'll mouth. It'll lip sync to Alexa. Well, Alexa will talk. And it's one of the most <laughs> affordable Alexa enabled devices. Yeah, but you wouldn't hang it in your home. It, it is very comical. <laughs> To watch. Yeah, but it would be cool. very unique. That'd be oh, definitely. But it's so is a singing fish. <laughs> Did you watch that yeah. whole episode? Yep, it's a YouTuber we watched that showcased it, anyways. But it's very funny. That's an interesting. That's an interesting use of it, and it's. If I were to buy one right now, <laughs> you, yeah. it would have to be that one. That one's neat. It's funny. So you'd, you'd rather have a talking salmon than a small hey. cylinder. It's a bass. Oh, that's right. Because it's like <laughs> Billy Bass, not Sally Salmon. Okay. Sally Salmon. Well, there's got to be a girl version of it. Yeah. yeah that would be Sally Salmon. I, I, my dad had them in our cottage, and he had the big mouth bass that would sing, you know, take me to the river, drop me in the water, which is funny. Not, not baby, it's cold outside. No. No. Because that would not be allowed. That would not be appropriate. I, there are too many memes about that right now. It's saying, you know, ridiculous. Listen to gangster rap, but yeah, can't listen yeah. to that song. It's funny. Eh. I mean, I, I'll have to admit, when I heard that they they dropped it, I was kind of... I can see how the Me Too movement would would take this. Mm-hmm. But this was, what, 1949? Yeah, it's a classic Ricardo, song. Ricardo Montalban. And it, it's perhaps more than anything misguided because you could definitely cite examples in pop culture that are absolutely misogynistic mm-hmm. or whatever but oh, it's, yeah. it's all the first weird... james bond movies should be oh, thrown ab- out of our absolutely. culture but it's this weird hinting at something that's kind of consensual and eh, hey, it's yeah what's in this slightly different that, values that, there's a feminist that wrote a great piece about in, in defense of the song saying no she's a liberated woman who is using choice. the drink as the excuse for her to stay. And she's saying, say what's in this drink. Nothing to do with right no, no. It's no. it's it's like how strong <laughs> how strong is this? Yeah. That's that's, that's what all it she's is. saying. This is too strong for me. I'm a you know so yeah, and I I I always thought the the song as as fun as it was did have a slightly creepy edge. Sure. I I can I can get how like in this day and age that certain media outlets have pulled it you want you want uh strong women uh, i know it's not the first time that it's been done but on my main man jimmy buffett's last christmas album he did baby it's cold outside but his lead female singer played the role of the man so she was trying to get okay, him, to, him stay. to stay and, he... and the role reversal unfortunately because of the way you interpret just that it's not as creepy it is nowhere near as creepy when a woman no. is trying to seduce a man like that. And to uh, me, that, yeah, that's a given. I know they're not going to play it because that would be a double standard. But they they wouldn't play that version on the radio. I know there's only there's only certain stations have pulled it. Right? Oh, I know it's the, not the, every the BBC, station. The BBC pulled it from their playlists, and I think that was the first one to. Call. I think 102.5 in Buffalo, which is what I've been listening. Right. I listen because they do Christmas music all the time for the month of December or. Mm-hmm. November and December, and I think they still play the various versions of it. Yeah, 
I don't know. It'll be interesting to see now because uh, Michael Bublé did a version with Idina Menzel. That was the one yeah. I actually And that's a good one. Shared. Outside uh, of the not. fact that the music video for that, it's a good music video. They changed it, but it's kids lip syncing to the song. Oh, yeah. See, that's and, creepy. But they changed the lyrics. Ah, okay. So it's not, hey, what's in this drink? Yeah. It's it's what, What's in this... I can't. Syringe? I can't remember exactly what it is. How young are the kids? Yeah. But once you change the lyrics, obviously, yeah, context has the, changed. Yeah, the innocence is. But it is. Right there. On that note, it's also very jarring to see a twelve-year-old singing like Michael Bublé, a twelve-year-old boy, with the voice of Bublé. <laughs> right. It doesn't sit well. Well, I, I mean, there's. I've always thought the um, was the, the the kid pop songs. There, there's all these kid little kids singing modern hits and there's they like release album after album What's i that? know that What's was that, a, series that was like a tv still commercial is. thing still going yeah yeah they still do it and you see it and I, who I the heck buys stuff, that i i don't know but they it's do edit problem. songs in a way like mm. they they clean up the songs for the well, kids they, to they sing they would them. have to but yeah. at the same time some of the some of the songs it's like yeah it's not appropriate i think I don't. I, I'm not going to stop them. I'm I don't want just twelve-year-olds singing all that about that bass. Yeah. Exactly. No exactly. treble. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is unfortunate because we're we're on a time crunch this time. But I feel like I could talk to you for like another three hours. So you'll have to come back mm-hmm. and talk. Pay me more. next time. Once we get paid, <laughs> it's true. We'll we'll check. Sure. We'll, we'll get the check and then we'll see. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's a labor of love right now. Oh yeah, I mean, I, this has been fun. Well, it's uh, interesting. It is yeah, there's there's a lot more stories to tell. Oh, I, I, bet. D- I was planning on telling my Christmas story. I want you know what this episode know? is actually going to release on Christmas Eve. Oh, is that right? So let's a Merry Christmas Eve, by yes, the way. Merry everybody. Christmas. You have time. We're very close to the Mandarin. Let's hear the Christmas story. Okay. <laughs> Picture it. No. It was the um, night before Christmas. So, I think the ship was the Splendor. And on this ship, I was the lab assistant by this time. I was getting towards the end of my time. It was either my last or my second to last contract. Uh, and this was December. Um, me and Sam had made plans because for once, now Key West had been taken off our itinerary. But for this one specific cruise, Christmas Eve, we were having an overnight in Key West. So all of the crew were very excited because generally you don't get a key, uh, an, over- an overnight period. Never mind in Key West. Fantastic place. So a bunch of us crew members knew about a, a nice little Italian restaurant um, just up the road that you know the, the passengers wouldn't know about. They would. They want the the you know the the sandals and and shirt kind of cocktail bars so this little restaurant got booked up quite quickly by crew members who knew about it so me and Sam booked a table for Christmas Eve <clears throat> probably 9.30 at night something like that but because there was no normally you've got to be back on board like an hour before the ship's going to sail well it's not sailing until sometime in the morning so as long as you're back on board by 5 a.m you're good so we booked this um this tape this table for christmas eve and three days before i'm in the mess trying to force down some of their food and the phone rings and it's for me and i'm so i pick it up and i says yeah hi this is this is 
Joe, the manager, um, you're being transferred off the ship. I'm like, you what? <laughs> yeah, um, they've got a problem on, um, and it was like one of the Radisson Seven Seas ships, because we serviced them as well. We did the photography on there. Um, the, the chief photographer has, has left, and uh, it's going to be a few days before um, his relief captain comes or his relief manager comes on and there's just one assistant on there who doesn't know what he's doing and the lab's a disaster area and they took a crew photo and there's all sorts of stuff to sort out. We need you to go down there and sort it out. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, got a, we got a booking for Christmas Eve in Key West. Says, okay, you'll be back. You'll be flying back on Christmas Eve. I went, okay, well, I'm still going to go and tell Sam, but okay. I better go pack my bags. So I get flown. Actually, no, we, we arrived in, in the port of call, which I think was Antigua. And, and I basically got signed off the ship, walked along the gangway to this, like, and it was one of these luxury catamarans. It was, well, it was a huge catamaran, but it was still, you know, it, but it was only like a two, 200 passenger boat. It was like luxury cruising. And because there was no cabin available, I got a, a guest cabin, so that was nice. Um, but this, this lab, sure enough, was an absolute disaster area, and and I did as much as I could. But I'm thinking that eventually, I says, "No, you're going to have to bring someone on because this is this is a week's worth of, of cleanup. It's got to be done." So, true enough, they signed me off, and in Montego Bay, um, in Jamaica, and have me booked on a flight from Montego Bay to Miami, from Miami to Key West. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I got off the ship, got to the airport, and there was a three hour delay on the plane. I'm like, you're kidding me. Okay, let's go. So got on the plane in Montego Bay, three hours late. We're landing in Miami, and I'm seeing a plane taken off in the direction of Key West. I'm thinking, I am so dead. <laughs> so we get ourselves down to the down at the terminals for the for the changeover for the flight and I'm saying, okay, I've got a connecting flight to Key West. Yeah, there's there's only two left for for today. I'm like, this one's full. The next one is at seven seven thirty, something like that to Key West and then the next one after that is 11 p.m. and I just went okay here's the thing I work on a cruise ship that is currently in Key West if it sails without me I'm gonna get deported and my fiance is probably gonna leave me and the girl says okay we'll see what we can do because there was like 300 people trying to get a standby seat yep. on, on a twin prop plane, you know, with one aisle, one row of seats on it. So they were saying, okay, we, we're gonna have to see who we can get on board. So luckily they got me on this plane and it was literally, it was like one of those juddery planes with like, you know, I, I can't even, I, I, I think I had a seat. I certainly had no luggage, sewage space. Um, but yeah, we, we, got, we got to the uh, to Key West and I'm looking at the time and I'm saying, I have to get a taxi. Now, luckily I had a, a cell phone that had a SIM card for the States. So I was able to call a taxi. And of course, because it's a domestic flight, I just bolted it through the airport in, uh, in Key West and got in a taxi. And 
by this time it was it was gone nine o'clock at night i'm thinking she's gonna kill me now i've been on this ship in this photo lab for basically two to three days of constant like up to your elbows in chemicals <laughs> getting into this taxi getting driven straight to the uh to this restaurant and and i just i open the doors <laughs> luggage in hand and, and i walk through the doors and i swear and there was about 25 tables and i swear 90 percent of them looked around and let out a huge sigh of relief because they all knew me and they all knew that Sam was sitting. And when I walked in the door, I saw Sam sitting right across and she just looked up at me and it just, we both welled up because, you know, it was just an amazing moment. So we walked in and, and everyone was like, oh, hi, <laughs> yeah, hi, <laughs> that smell? Because <laughs> I mean, it was bleach and stuff. So yeah, that was, it was a great night. It was a it, finally, you know, when, that was a uh, photo finish. That was really was a photo finish <laughs> because it was literally she was sitting there having her drink, and I I looked terrible, <laughs> but it didn't really matter. It was it was a good night, and we lived happily ever after. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great story. Yes. Yeah, cruise ships, great fun. Like I say, I I I'd, if my kids wanted to do that to travel i'd certainly be more up for it than them backpacking around vietnam I'll tell you that <laughs> backpacking that's, anywhere but that's yeah, fair you, you know for a gap year it'd be a great thing but some people do it for years decades my, my little sister still works on cruise ships hmm. she loves it what does she do she does trunks trunk shows with a, a, a jeweler um called hubert and uh, hubert inc and his his jewelry is amazing. I mean, Stanley, his wife was one of uh, his clients. Uh, we got we actually managed to get a, a great birthday gift, a Christmas gift for uh, my brother-in-law, who um, no, he's a huge Marvel fan. And so we got a signed picture from Stanley um, for him, you know, personalized. Hmm. That's cool. Hmm. But yeah, that's again, that's another story. She's she came out for a, for a ten day cruise with me and Sam. And uh, went home. Is that your camera is dead? Mm. We've Which gone died. I think it was seventy. Yeah, I, I started waffling anyway. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she's still out there, and she she came she came and visited with us, cruised with us for ten days. Went home, put her apartment up for sale. <laughs> We're almost done, anyways. Yeah. We're almost out of time. Yeah. So yeah. She went home, she put her apartment up for sale, quit her job, and then started looking for work on cruise ships. And she's worked there ever since. That's fun. She, yeah, she loves it. It's, it's suited to her lifestyle. It really suits her. But yeah, when me and Sam were done, we were done. We knew it was time to get off. Because you can only do it for so long. It's very high rate of burnout on there. A lot of people don't finish their first contract. But five years was about, about normal. That's how long we lasted. Well, Andrew, this has been fun, and it I want has. you to—I want you to come back. You're not Definitely. leaving. We're Definitely. going out for dinner. Yes. DH Media Christmas party. Yes. But uh, yeah, I—I I enjoyed this. I did too. So we'll sign off. I realize that this is Christmas Eve, but Eric and I will be exchanging Christmas gifts on something that you'll probably see after New Year's. Scheduling's a little bit weird. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>